The conversation is on with singer-songwriter and author Allison Moorer. Conversation On, the podcast with Jeff Weeks. Allison Moore is in the music business. She's a singer-songwriter, and she's good at it, the proof being a nomination for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. She was also nominated for a Grammy and an Academy of Country Music Award. She writes books as well. In 2019, she published her first memoir, entitled Blood. Her most demanding role is the one she loves the most, and that is being a mama. Allison is the parent of an autistic child. In her recent book, I Dream He Talks to Me, a memoir of learning how to listen, she allows the reader to see autism through the eyes, but more importantly, through the heart of a mother. It's a pleasure to welcome Allison Moore to Conversation On, the podcast. Allison, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell me about the book. It's very, very personal. I Dream He Talks to Me. It's about your son. Why write it? Yeah, good question. Um, I wrote this book because I'm an artist and it was the work that was in front of me. That's the the best um, and most primary answer that really makes any sense. As you said, it is a very personal book and I'm sure some would question why I would reveal such details and um, not only about myself, but about my son. And I understand the risks that come with that. But at the end of the day, um, I'm an artist and I often make art out of my life because my life is, um, has been um, and continues to be sort of extreme and intense for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, I figure that the reason for that, or at least one of the reasons for my extreme experiences, um, my first book was a memoir of my childhood which was extreme. And here I am, a 49-year-old mother of an 11-year-old child who um, I don't communicate with with words. So um, that was the work that was in front of me to do. I even started this book before I finished my first book. And I didn't mean to. It uh. just was something that came out of me. Uh, otherwise, I wrote it because... When my son, John Henry, was diagnosed with autism at the age of 23 months, um, I did what I think a lot of parents do. I sprung into action. I decided that I could fix it. I got all the books I could find. I read everything. I studied everything. I figured out all the different therapies and what the differences were. Uh, tortured the sweet doctor who diagnosed him with about a million emails, um, just trying to figure out how to make it right. You know, how could I, how could I make this not be happening mm -hmm. sort of thing. And this book is about my journey through that. As my ex-husband says, all books are about the writer. And we know that's true. Right. Particularly memoir. That I've written this book doesn't necessarily make me an expert on anything, and certainly not on autism. If if uh, anyone is an but I will say if anyone is an expert on autism, it's probably the parent of an autistic child. I didn't have a book like this. I did not have a book that comforted me. I didn't have a book that 
I had, you know, I had all sorts of books about what autism is. Mm -hmm. And that's a very difficult thing to define, by the way. But I didn't have one that let me know how it felt. And I didn't have one from another parent's perspective that was real. And that basically said, look, this is going to rock you to your core. And it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Because um, the love between a parent and a child is incredibly powerful and can move mountains. So, you know, those are just some preliminary reasons for writing it. And, uh, you know, look, some days I wish I hadn't because <laughs> <laughs> writing memoir is a bit like getting naked. And um, I've spent the entirety of my 40s writing memoir. And I'm pretty tired at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Um... It was extremely eye-opening for me because I think for those of us who perhaps do not know someone or have experience with an autistic child, you, you hear about it and you, and you hear about it in a scientific or medical way or maybe you hear someone talking about it. But I have to be honest with you, it was, uh, it was rather shocking some of the things that uh, parents uh, go through and, and, and clearly what the child is going through. Let me back up and, and talk a little bit about how you first found out and, and at what age John Henry was autistic. Well, you said a very important thing, and that's something that I would like to keep the center of this conversation is, you know, I spend most of my time trying to figure out what John Henry is going through. I'm trying to figure out what he thinks, what he feels, what he likes, um, what makes him happy. This is uh, not a book that is about woe is me. This is a book about me trying to find the best path for him to be able to reveal himself to the fullest extent that he can. Because any, any parent will tell you, you know, I'm exhausted at the end of the day, yet you get up and you do it all again the next day you know, it's just worth it. It's hard work, but boy, is it worth it. Sure. And, um, he is everything to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's tricky because I have written this book about us and he, uh, cannot express himself with words like you and I can. And so I just want, I spent a lot of time trying to be absolutely fair in, my representation of him. My editor and I both went through this book about, you know, a hundred times just trying to make sure there was nothing in there that he would be mad about. Mm -hmm. I think all children get mad at their parents for one thing or the other. Oh, sure, um, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to prevent that. But um, I do always want to be as sensitive as possible as I can be to his feelings. And I have to weigh that with the fact that I am an artist and he's going to be in my work because he's uh, the center of my life. So anyway, I just wanted to, to get that in there. Sure. I think what you said about um, not knowing so many things that I do discuss in the book, I think that's the case for most people. And I think that that's something that's important that we talk about. Most people do not know what autism can be. And that's all to say, 
autism is very different from one person to the next. Even people within the autism community do not understand everything there is to know about autism. It is a mysterious thing and uh, manifests itself differently in every person who uh, is autistic. But I think that we need to be able to have those conversations and we need to be real about it. We need to educate people because the fact is a lot of people misunderstand what's going on when they see someone who is having a difficulty. Mm-hmm. They, they may not understand that what they're seeing is autism and not bad behavior. Right. They may not understand that what they're seeing is autism and a parent struggling to figure out how to help their child and not a bad parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have witnessed children or even um, grown people having meltdowns in public. And I think a lot of us have traditionally written off, written that off as like, well, there's just something wrong with that person and they don't know how to act. Right. Well, there may be something wrong, not with the person, but with the situation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're going to have to do as a people is get more educated about this because it isn't going anywhere and the rates just continue to go up. So we need to get educated about it and we need to have empathy for the people who have developmental difficulties and sensory processing disorders and um, have difficulty being in the world because the truth is the world's a hard place to be. I think that something autistic people can show us is that and show us how to be more empathetic to each other and more empathetic to the fact that we are all human beings in this crazy place trying to do our best. Right, right. So, um, you know, uh, that's, I want people to know, I wanted people to know, look, please do not reduce people with autism uh, to a diagnosis. We cannot expect so very little of their lives. We, you know, my son is a full 100% human being. Right. And um, I'm not going to uh, let the world tell him that he has to accept any less than 100% participation. Talk a little bit about some specifics because you talk about it in the book being in, you know, anything from say a, a drugstore type situation to, to perhaps swimming or, or mm-hmm. maybe in an apartment complex or something. I know you lived in New York for a while and mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the response occasionally when, when John Henry would have a, a challenge or whatnot that, that you would get from other people who did not understand what was going on. And to me, when I read that, it was just I mean, I mean, I can only imagine how you must have felt. And talk, explain. I don't want to. I don't want you to give away the entire premise of the book clearly, but I want you to kind of explain so people understand what you deal with or have had to to deal with, and and how people might learn to be more empathetic. Yeah, you know. Um, and I'll preface this by saying I am from South Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in New York City for fourteen years, and. Um, you know, some of these experiences and, and, you know, it's not like they would happen every day, but I'll tell you, um, people a lot of times do not like to have their bubbles disturbed. Right. So for instance, you know, we, we lived in a building that I moved to specifically because it had a swimming pool in the basement. It was a very expensive situation, but uh, John Henry loves to swim. Mm-hmm. He loves water. It's one of the things that he can do 
um, successfully. He's a great swimmer. One of the things that comes along with autism quite often is motor skills can be delayed or doing things that involved fine motor mm-hmm. um, are difficult, more difficult. Um, so one of the things that my son loves to do is get in the water because his body is weightless and he's a great swimmer and it's something that he's really good at. And I really encourage him to do all the flips he wants to do and go underwater and, you know, touch the, the floor of the pool. And just, he just has a great time. And, um, uh, you know, most parents understand this. If, if there's something that your child wants to do, you'll move heaven and earth to, to get it for them. So that's all to say that we lived in this building in New York city and had a pool in the basement. So, um, I would pick my son up from school at about, uh, it was 4:45 every day. We would go home and get in our swimming clothes, and we would go down to the uh, this Olympic-sized swimming pool. Um, it was cold, so cold, it froze me to death. <laughs> <laughs> but because it was made for swimming laps, I couldn't just sit there and and watch John Henry swim. I had to get in too every day, so of course right. I did. And um, you know, there would just he. Um, because it was in the basement, you know, it was very reverb. Uh, there was a lot of reverb down there sure. and, and sounds just bounce around. It's this old school, like 1930s building. And so the pool was built of tile. So you can imagine the cacophony, any noise created. And my son is, you know, one of the things that has become clear to me since I finished this book, you know, I use the term nonverbal and it's not something that I use anymore because um, uh, he isn't. He simply isn't nonverbal. That was something that we were taught, that I was taught to say. Now, he, you know, I even have trouble with non-speaking because I think sometimes he may say something that we can't understand. But anyway, my point is he vocalizes a lot. Mm-hmm. So it, particularly when he's happy, he'll make a lot of sounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't, um, you know, we, we practice what we call using our quiet voice Mm -hmm. and he does know how to tone himself down, but there are times when he gets so excited that he just can't do it. So in particular, there was this woman in the pool one day and I, I'm, I know I use this quote in the book, you know, he's just having fun and we're playing and we're in our own lane, which is roped off, you know, and this woman about two lanes over, uh, yells at me, does he have to make that noise? And I just said, well, he has autism. Yeah, he does. And there was a man one day who actually mocked him, who came up to him and, and mocked him in a very mean way. But then, you know, the flip of that is the man who knows what he's seeing and comes up and in a happy way joins in the vocalizations with John Henry. And, and uh, you know, for every person who isn't nice, there are more people who are nice. Right. I will say that. Um, does it get my back up? Does it make me, does it make me see red when someone is that mean? Absolutely. And everyone knows how that is. You know, you don't, you don't mess with somebody's, with somebody's child, but people don't on the whole stop and think, you know, if they don't have experience with what they're seeing, they make assumptions Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily, people are not as necessarily as patient or understanding as they, as they can be. And that's, you know, I want to change that. I would like to help change that. Well, I will tell you and and tell the listeners, this book is really, it's an eye opener because like, you know, clearly I was familiar with what autism is and, you know, have read 
some things about it, but most of it we get in the media from more of a, a scientific or a medical perspective. So you truly brought to life what it's all about. Let me back up uh, to a second. We kind of talked about it a few moments ago, but I'd like for you to go a little farther in depth with it. Your son, I guess, was diagnosed at around two years old, so you really didn't have any inkling, so to speak, that he might be autistic until he was uh, a couple of years old. Is that correct? He was born in April 2010, and um, he is my only child, so as far as I knew, everything was fine. He started to develop language. Actually, he said his first word on his first birthday. And he had developed a vocabulary of, of I think, 25, 26 words. Um, around the time he started to walk really well, which mm -hmm. was about 16 months, the words that he had gained started to dwindle. He started to use them less. They started to just sort of trickle away. And um, it took me a long time to get any real answers. You know, when that when I realized that was happening and I really made myself see that it was happening. You know, you can think a thing, but thinking it and making it real to yourself don't necessarily happen simultaneously. But I was real with myself about it. I knew that it was not just a phase because I could just feel that. Um, it took me a while to get a doctor to pay attention to me. His pediatrician looked at him and said, no way, is he autistic? We, his father and I enrolled him in speech therapy before we got an autism diagnosis. And even she said, I think it's sensory processing. I don't think he's autistic. It took me a while to get a diagnosis, but I knew it was coming. It was devastating. But I knew it was it was coming. And that was he was diagnosed in March of 2012. So he was almost two. Has your research or I guess discussions in the medical field yielded any idea of what might have caused it? I mean, because we hear so many things, you know, speculative type things. I'm just curious if, if you've done any research or if you have any opinion. And I don't want to put you on the spot. I know that's kind of a medical oriented question. Well, I think it is and it isn't. I think some of autism is not necessarily about something that has gone wrong that needs to be corrected. I think we're presented with that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that autism is a difference. It's not something that anybody can really figure out, maybe because does it need to be figured out? I don't know. I know that we want to know. What they say is, uh, there has to be a genetic component. There has to be a trigger. I don't believe in the vaccination stuff. That study about the MMR shot was uh, disproven and that doctor was, uh, his medical license was taken away. So that I, I, and that's, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I don't think um, vaccinating my child made him autistic. Mm -hmm. I think that it was likely something that was there um, genetically and um, something happened to flip the switch. Who knows? Well, the thing I know is you can't flip it back. Right. So yeah. you, you can do a lot. Um, John Henry's been doing about 40 hours a week of therapy since he was two. And uh, we continue. That's what we've got. So that's what we that's what we do. 
tell me about John Henry. If I if I walked up and, <laughs> and met him today, what what could I expect? Well, it it would depend. Um, he is friendly. He's um, very handsome. <laughs> He's usually these days wearing his Bose uh, noise canceling headphones because his hearing is incredibly sensitive. When he um, started to cover his ears when he was about seven or eight years old and we taught him to wear headphones to help protect his hearing. Uh, people with autism often hear, I forget what the, the multiplication number is, but um, the hearing can just be, the hearing sensitivity can be off the charts. Mm. Um, so he's often wearing his headphones. He loves to play. He loves to, you know, twirl, loves to swing. He, um, you know, what, what could you expect? Well, it would depend on the day and what he felt like doing. He might um, hug you. He might want to look at you right in your eyes. Um, it would probably depend on what your energy was. I enjoyed reading some of the passages in the book where you talk about him staring into your eyes and the <laughs> and the hugs. It, that, that was extremely touching. I don't know if you want to expand on that. It's highly personal, but it's in the book. Well, he is, um, he's everything to me, as I've already said. Um, and um, that piece I think you're referring to when he was in the bathtub and uh, he held my face mm -hmm. and stared into my eyes. Is that what you're talking yep, about? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those, those are beautiful moments. And you just, I just let them happen. Yeah. Yeah. I well. just let them happen. And, and I think what I also said in that piece is, you know, parents, you know, we're so uh, hungry for the love of our children. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot is, you know, a lot of us feel like we're just peddling, peddling, peddling all the time to try to make sure everything's okay and no one gets hurt and everybody has everything they need and and um, to experience true kindness and um, tenderness from your child is just sort of, uh, it fills you up in a way that nothing else can. And uh, you know, we're suckers, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I will encourage the reader to, to look forward to that part. It was very moving, well-written on your part. The other thing I'm curious about, um, and, I, and I've got some vibes in the book that he's kind of into music, and, and I mean, clearly you're a singer, songwriter, uh, musician, that. Mm -hmm. and his, his father is uh, Steve Earle, who is mm -hmm. uh, obviously a popular singer, songwriter in his own right. Um, yeah. What about his, you? His, his, aunt is, is his aunt is Shelby Lynn, his stepfather is Hayes Carlin, his brother was Justin Towns Earl. I mean, he got it on us. <laughs> There's there is a uh, there is an awful lot of um, <laughs> of music around the family, shall we say? And um, what's what's his response to music? Well, you know, the first piece in the book is called "Below the Belt," and um, it's about the moment that I first realized something really had happened with him. Mm -hmm. Steve and I were still together. We were on uh, the road doing a tour together. It was the summer of mm -hmm. summer of two thousand eleven. I was standing up in the front lounge of the tour bus and I was watching 60 Minutes and they were doing a feature on a teenage gospel choir. 
And the choir set into Amazing Grace. And of course, you know, I was just standing there holding him. And uh, I started singing along. And when I got to the word wretch, um, and that note, for whatever reason, he pushed away from me, mm. like put his hands into my chest and pushed away from me. And he said, his face broke and he started to cry. And I went, oh, my God, what is going on? This isn't, this doesn't really any sense. Um, I, I know that this song makes me cry. I know that music makes me cry. I know music brings out emotion in many people, but he wasn't even two years old. It was that moment that made me realize something had 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 happened. So there were a couple of years there where I could not use my full voice around him when I sang. I could sing, you know, Row, Row, Row Your Boat or whatever, uh, B-I-N-G-O, all those uh, songs that you would sing and just, you know, sort of a, a sing song play voice. Mm-hmm. But I could not sing like I sing because mm-hmm. it was too much for him. It was, uh, it felt like, you know, and I, I can't wait to one day ask him these questions. Like, what does that feel like right. when you hear this note? Is it because it's emotional? Does it hurt your ears? Is it, you know, what is it? Because I truly don't know. But he also loved music. The, um, there's this series that HBO did called Classical Baby. And that there's just these wonderful 30-minute programs of animation set uh, to classical music set to animation. And they're just brilliant because they're beautiful. They're not like dumb cartoons. They're really artfully done. And the music, of course, is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So he had those those DVDs. This was, I mean, back in the day of DVDs. (laughs) And um, he, there was an aria that I would have to fast forward through every time he watched it because it would make him cry every time. And um, one day... I, he was watching this DVD. I think he was about four at this point, maybe five. I had gone to another room and I heard the song start and I went, oh my goodness. And so I was running toward the television to try to, you know, fast forward through the song. But he was standing there, not crying. And his little fists were just clenched. Mm. Like he was trying to like get himself through that song because he loved the song. You know, mm-hmm. he loved it. It just was overwhelming for him. And so that's that's all his doing. Like he strengthened himself to a point where he no longer got so overwhelmed by the sounds of certain music. And fast forward to now, you know, John Henry uh, hums a lot. He'll hum tunes. He'll hum little tunes that he picks up. Um, and he also makes up little tunes. So little melody lines and, and things that he makes up. And then he has a couple that he repeats. So I've taken um, a couple of those melodies and I've written songs oh, neat. Uh, with them. So um, I'm just finishing up an EP of that music and it'll come out in early 2022. So uh, John Henry and, and I are now collaborating musically, which just... <laughs> Uh, makes me so happy. Makes me so happy. That and and it should. It really should. Thank you so much, and thank you for writing the book. I'm I'm serious when I say this. I, I it, it's it's a must read. Um, 
it'll give you a whole different perspective on autism. And I, I had the line earlier that it allows you to see autism through the eyes, but more importantly, through the heart of a mom. And uh, I think that's important. I Dream He Talks to Me, a memoir of learning how to listen. The author is Allison Moore. She's a singer and a songwriter and uh, quite talented writer as well. Her other memoir, uh, I guess, was what released a couple of years ago, uh, Blood, which is also a very good read. And uh, you basically grew up not too far from where we're taping this show, if I understand, from Monroeville, Alabama, correct? I went to high school in Monroe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I was raised in Washington County. Okay. Okay. Very good. I'll tell you a quick little story before I close out here. Many, many years ago when I was much younger, there was a young lady that passed through a radio station I was working at and um, had a nice conversation with, and I think she may have had a record out at the time. I think you probably know her pretty well. Um, Shelby Lynn, right, <laughs> that we mentioned earlier. So it's kind of kind of neat to get an opportunity to, to talk to you now um, so many years later. I wish you all the very best, and folks can find out so much more about you, both your writing as far as books are concerned, as well as your music at allisonmore.com. Again, the name of the book, I Dream He Talks to Me, a memoir of learning how to listen. The author, Allison Moore. Conversation on the podcast, produced by WUWF Public Media in Pensacola, Florida. I'm Jeff Weeks. Thank you so very much for listening. Take wonderful care of yourself, and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat again soon.